literally the only thing in my head right now is wake up. <laughs> Welcome to the House Must Be Full podcast. I am your host, Melita. I am Rebecca Donaldson. We wish. We all wish. I'm Mrs. Goodhair, as she gets referred to in this episode. I'm not Mrs. Goodhair. No. Welcome to a Full House comedy podcast where we talk about Full House Hello. in a comedic way. My guest again is Heather. She's back. Hello. I can't. I'm like a bad penny that turns. I don't know why I said such a dad thing. Yeah. Hello. I'm back. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. I feel like this episode is something I keep forgetting that I love, or like it's one of the ones I stick out most in my memory. That's so funny because I didn't. It's like when I rewatched it, I remembered it, but I couldn't remember it. Like when you were like, "Oh, we're gonna do this one," I couldn't. I t- totally couldn't remember it in my head. But that's what it is about Full House. Is you like once you see it, I just feel like it was such a part of the cultural landscape that you're like, "Oh wait, yes, I must have seen this like yeah. five times." Um, right. So I feel like I I'm just curious to see like or hear what other people, what other episodes people love. Cause like yeah, this one's obscure to some people, but for me, it's like really prominent. And like, oh yeah. Other episodes like my sister, she's gonna do the season finale with me. And I asked her like, to pick an episode, and she was like, I want to do one about Vicky. Remember the one where she tried to cook? And I was like, what? Wait. Yeah. I don't remember that one. It is where she, like, Vicky's a bad cook. Oh, my God. So Vicky just has to be portrayed as, like, a bad woman in We're gonna, yeah, I feel every like, way. But I feel like she shouldn't be in the house. Like, she tried to help them, but, like, they can't handle her because, like, she's oh too God. stable. Yeah, at least she's an independent career woman. I like really love, really love Vicky. And also, cooking is really hard, especially because America's culinary culture is weird. What? <laughs> like, I just feel like America, like so much of um, American cuisine, is a product of like industrial sort of food production and so like whereas like I feel like lots of different individual food cultures in America or in other countries and when people like bring them over those are really rich and robust but I feel like it's really hard like when you've grown up on a diet of like I don't know TV dinners and things like that like we we need to like rediscover kind of like cooking and what our like food culture can be I think be it's a, a cultural thing where like because I feel like it's a white maybe it's a white American thing because I oh, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. my black family like that we were, I like grew up around people who cooked and like it was like yeah. a, it was more like natural and like cause especially since I grew up like in the country with like farms and stuff yeah I, we had like actual farm stands where we like buy produce from each other and like I had we had pecan trees so like we had pecan oh my god fresh. I didn't know pecans like cost a lot of money until I got to college so I was like well, you guys are paying like $10 for like a little bit of ten of pecans. Like I'm used to getting free pecans. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm just used to like natural, fresh stuff. Like that's non hip like not in a hipster way, just like I'm just yeah. used to like farm the table for real for real. You know, so I guess like uh, yeah, I should really clarify that that is definitely like uh sort of white American, sometimes suburban American perspective on like uh, like yeah like industrial food culture and I feel like also the more like friends I know who's like parents are from other countries or whatever I feel like the more Americanized people become sometimes the more shitty the food they yeah, eat yeah 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 so like if you the longer you stay here the more like sometimes you can like just get used yeah. to like, like fast and gross stuff all right we're not talking about that this, <laughs> this is we're talking, not a food well, we're talking about suburban nightmares <laughs> Oh my god, yes. <laughs> um, so this episode is called The Bicycle Thief, and it's named after uh, a movie by De Sica, the Italian neorealist filmmaker. I know nothing about this, so I was really curious to hear like, um, about yeah this context. I'll talk more about it later when I give you like my theory on like what was going on subtext-wise in this yes. episode, but it's basically 
1940 something movie um where about a father who buys a bike to help to like he gets a job as like a poster like an ad poster guy oh like, yeah the those the, like yeah and he gets a job but he needs a bike for it and like his wife sells their dowry linens which is like a big deal to like sell your dowry oh, bed yeah. sheets to get to, to get the bike and then like his bike gets stolen and he's like chasing this kid around the city trying to get his bike back and like in an act of desperation he steals someone else's bike and like it doesn't work and people like pound him in the streets and like go after him for stealing another person's bike and then, oh my like, god yeah it's really sad <gasps> oh my god that subtext for yeah, this I'll, I'll go in a little bit more detail about some little specific things that happen. Um, but yeah, that's the name of this episode, and it's where Michelle is missing a bike. We'll say it like that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Bikeless. And then uh, the first scene is Nikki and Alex on their little rocking, <laughs> like little <laughs> horses, and they're. But I think I noticed that they're in full cowboy garb. Yeah, Americans <laughs> love the myth of the American West. <laughs> we love westward expansion. That's a like cool thing. In this episode, they actually have a point to the cold open. Like, it actually comes back later. Like, yeah. Episode, they're talking about how Nikki and Alex are calling Jesse by his first name. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't do that. Don't call me Jesse. Call me daddy. Yeah. Um, and that'll come back later. It does. And usually that part doesn't come back. No. I feel like I thought, I was trying to figure out, like, what this, what kind of episode is called technically. Like, there are capsule episodes where, like, it's called capsule episodes where they're in the same room, like the, the closet episode with Kimmy and Jesse. Oh, which is like basically, where, like, speak of favorite Full House episodes, yeah, that like, that might be, I mean, Channer Island, I think is my favorite, but that one, like the Smush Club episode, <laughs> as I like to refer to it. Yeah, it was like where some, one thing happens. I thought this was kind of, it was that, but like, no, this is capsule episode when it's one location, um, but this is just like takes place in one day, which is like, you don't really see that often well, in it's just one day of activity oh i didn't think about that yeah, yeah. thank you for your like your film school perspective here oh my god this is all stuff that i just don't like <laughs> think i don't have like the vocabulary for it like yeah it's really interesting yeah i feel like everyone should study like take, if you're in college right now take a film theory class it's fun yeah i did take a film class but i feel like it's not it's not enough, man. Like, we really, like, there should be more media studies as a part of just, like, everyone's curriculum. Like, I feel like the Oscars would be more, people would watch for longer, like, be more into it if people yeah film theory classes to understand and appreciate. Because I feel like it also helps you viewing. Like, you get to appreciate a lot more about it. Yeah. Um, but and- so much of our culture is a visual, is visual media. And, like, being taught to read visual media is a really missing skill. Like, I was an English teacher, you know, and I tried to bring some of that, like, sometimes, like, reading images into the classroom. But, like, we're really not taught to dissect media. Like, kids aren't taught that at, like, the elementary or middle school like our high school level so much it's considered like an optional thing you get in life maybe yeah um, but it like should be required because if you think about um propaganda and like how yeah documentaries and like yeah like documentaries can like lead people and like how mm-hmm. there's like little things that people try to nudge you to like so you can reveal like what the filmmaker's intent is yeah and like how showing an image after one image can like suggest relation to it and like how right. a lot of like political ads and um bias documentaries like use it to yes. trick people yes Yes. So I feel like if more people were hip to propaganda and techniques, we would like not be literally not be where we are right now. Yeah. Because people don't like listen, like look at like what the larger 
thing is like something showing you yeah i don't know totally no it's like such a good point because we are inundated with advertising too like even if you're a parent who tries to restrict their kids tv watching or whatever like it's literally like on your metro card mm-hmm. on like the bus stop signs like you everything's to- put there for a reason oh yeah. my god i'm so excited like i'm rebranding and stuff like i'll tell you like the last episode like this episode 10 i'm like i'm doing like a whole rebrand and like I and my new logo is like it. has like a lot of like there's stuff text in the logo I'm really excited. Um, okay. <laughs> Back to what we were talking about. The whole code open. This, this, <laughs> this is people's media studies education that you missed in high school. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> and the only thing that happens is, like, I just noticed how, like, at the end, they started rocking violently hard. Like, they just keep, like, rocking back <laughs> to the point where they're going to, like, fall off. Like, I wonder, like, if they fell during one of the takes. Like, they must have fallen. Oh, so, yeah. I, so kids so always want to push it too far, right? They're always, like, testing the water. That's what kids, but you've seen little tiny kids scare me. Like, it's so <gasps> nerve-wracking. Yes, because there's that moment when they, like, fall or something, and then it's, like, it gets deadly react. silent. <laughs> and like, then you're like, oh, my God, they died. And then it's like, ah, like, then they, like, scream and cry. And you're like, it's not, you have to, like, 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 nothing's happening. It's like, they don't react. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's the thing where you're just, like, you don't, because they don't really? know if they're hurt. They look to you to see if you sh- they should react or if they should be sad or something. No, that's why they look at you, like, when they fall, because they go, oh, should I... Am oh my god, I'm I've okay? been getting played. No, you don't you don't react. Like you just like let them interpret what has happened to them. That's oh, a, that's I didn't know that. I, I feel bad that I didn't know that. One time like we were like at my grandma's house and like my, my all my little cousins, my nieces and nephew, and my cousins were there and like they were running around back and mm-hmm. forth and one of them fell and then and then the grown ups the grown ups just said, You're all right, you're fine. You're fine <laughs> before she could react. I'm like, and oh it works. So just say, you're fine. You're fine. Oh my God. Yeah, they're fine. Like, they're like, yeah. It's just like an actual obvious injury. Yeah. You know? Like, if you're like, kind of like scraping you're like, if even, or like, if you just like trip over, it's fine. Just like, don't let them be afraid of it. Oh my God. I've been getting played by so many children. I feel like because I just am immediately like, oh no, little no. buddy, you're okay. If, like, they, if they start crying, yeah, let them cry. But if they don't cry, like, don't make them cry. Oh my God. I have, probably, I, you're making them cry. That's why like, I was watching a video about um, a kid there. wrangler for TV shows and like how they get babies to cry. And like, usually like what she'll do is she just hold the baby and start crying herself and then baby will empathize with her and start crying. Like, so babies like, are just really? looking to you for, like, for empathy and like to see how to react to something. They just, they want to know how to react by what you're doing so like they get able to cry so like, just by crying holy them. shit i was so blown right now i didn't <laughs> know that that's how you do that yeah <gasps> so kids like yeah like kids are super resilient and like you don't have to force they like you're a lot of times like parents are, like projecting their own emotions onto their kids in so many ways holy shit <sighs> wow all right, and then the next scene, they're in the, they're in the kitchen, and Stephanie's showing Joey, DJ, and Jesse. No, they're not. They're in the living room. They're, Stephanie's showing those three a card trick. Terrible and card trick. She's got them kind of sloppily spanned out on the table, <laughs> and she's like trying to summon a ten of hearts, and then she actually pulls out a four of clubs, and um, DJ calls her on it. And Stephanie said the trick was that she turned into the heart into a, a four of clubs, and. <laughs> DJ's not impressed, but Joey's like actually impressed by it and like saying, oh, you gotta teach me that trick. <laughs> it's such a terrible, like, I feel like there's definitely times as a kid when you like are trying to put a show on for oh, like I parents have, or I things. had a, I did a magic show. I had like a, I feel like I kept my mom trapped for way too long a couple of times with my magic you show. You did a magic I like glued together two cardboard boxes into like a magic table, put in a blanket over it to make the <gasps> tablecloth, and then like, I had like, um, I think, oh God, there's a great, like, this YouTuber called Nike Jake, he did a great, like, synopsis of the Scholastic Book Bears and how there's a bunch of, like, spy kits and magic kits in those. And the oh, my God. <laughs> so I feel like I got, like, a magic trick book at the book yeah. fair and I, like, trapped my mom there. 
<laughs> like, in the living room. And I was, like, made her watch. And she was, like, she was, like, so, I don't know if she was actually, am- she just, she wasn't amazed. Like, she, but she gave me such good feedback about, like, oh, that's great. That's amazing. <laughs> I trapped her in the living room for, like, no one else either. And my other sister were, like, upstairs. I was just, like, me and my mom in the living room. <laughs> I'm sure I had a vest on. I'm a thousand percent sure I had my Looney Tunes vest on. Oh, my God. That's your favorite fashion accessory oh, from the mid-90s. <laughs> it's my work suit, you know? <laughs> that's your work suit. <laughs> oh god <laughs> I'm just picturing this magic show cause oh god. it's like a dim living room cause my mom was taking a nap and she was still like wrong. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> so I'm like I didn't bother turning lights on I just had like, the room dim mid afternoon weekend <laughs> in my little vest oh my god <laughs> did you have like a top hat or anything that would have been amazing I think I, I did have a hat on but it wasn't like a top hat I think oh. it was like a because we didn't have top hats. Like, yeah, I was like, did you, maybe the kit came with a top hat? Like, I don't know. No, for sure not. Oh, God, it was like a, yeah, it's like a little, like a hidden drawer thing. Too. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Ugh. I was, yeah, I was at that phase where I was really, really into card tricks. Really? <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> um... Oh, yeah, and this is, like, I have, like, a note about, like, the house. It's definitely, like, maybe mm-hmm. Stephanie's so bad about bad with magic because the house wouldn't allow anyone else to have, like, any other supernatural abilities. <laughs> the house, like, prevents any sort of, like, growth in that realm. Oh, my God. I would so bad. I would have thought they would, that, like, the house, because Stephanie is the one who's most in tune with the house, mm-hmm. right? So it's, like, and I was, like, could that magic though. funnel through Stephanie? But I think not in the house. They want her to gain power. Just, like, I feel like they want, the house wants obedience from Stephanie and not necessarily strength. Oh, yeah. She's not an agent of the house, per se. Mm. Yeah, she's not a proxy for it. Yeah. Just, like, go out into the world. She's, she's like, a, um, a, a pawn kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um... And then this is when Michelle comes in and says, someone stole her bike, and Danny's right behind her on the phone with a crazy antenna. <laughs> Love it. And she, he's describing the bike, um, and then Stephanie's like, oh, she offered a reward for the bike, and Michelle says, how about a million dollars? Michelle in this episode is, like, a tyrant and, like, really yeah. messed up. She's a white lady who thinks that the cleaning lady stole mm-hmm. her jewelry. She was in told by AppleCare. Michelle episode. was told by AppleCare this entire episode. <laughs> Have you seen that vine? What? That vine. I was told by Apple Care. Oh, that's a great <gasps> meme. All right, I'll tell you. I'll show you. Like, oh I'm going to y'all play audio right now. Also, just note that on the screen right now, because we're watching this in the theater in your building, is an amazing shot of a police sketch mm-hmm. that I guess we'll talk about later. But I, I literally am getting to stare at it the entire time, and I'm so it's thrilled. a great yeah, it's a great moment we're having preview. Um, so then they decide to split up. Um, Danny's going to the bike trail to check and then Stephanie and DJ going to take the schoolyard and then Joey says he'll take, check the arcade and fast food spots <laughs> and then Danny's like oh yeah that's great that's where kids would be and he's like oh no I was going to go there anyway <laughs> which I feel because I feel like I would if I grew up in the, or if I was an adult in the 90s I would go to arcades a lot maybe that's, I shouldn't maybe I wouldn't though because like, that's inappropriate for adults I mean we have Barcade now as adults oh yeah that's where my 21st birthday was because <laughs> I enjoy arcade <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and there's actually like an arcade museum like next door to where I'm getting married on the Jersey Shore, and it's like yeah, it's like an, I actually haven't even been in, which is insane. But it's like you can just like drink and play a million arcade games, but like different than Barcade, I think, because it's like um, there's like really old machines too. I'm super psyched Sorry. about that. <laughs> We'll edit this in post. We have a sound mixer. We have we have Tommy Will, we have Blake Toomey Willot. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him about. Tell him who that is. Oh, the (laughs) Nikki and Alex, the twins from the show. We were like googling. We were like looking at their IMDb's, and apparently one of them became like a a foley artist and has done sound work for such vehicles as uh, Furious Seven and Game of Thrones. Good for him. <laughs> really happy for you. Um, and so they open the door to leave, and then before they, well, when they open the door, it's Kimmy and Mrs. Carruthers at the door from Crime Catchers, and they're in their oh notorious like light pink shirt with the black type and berets. <gasps> I have so many, yeah, I have so many feelings about this because they are styled as like, um, it's. You know, there's like the suggestion of like the militants of like, and they kind of are. Yeah, like so it's it's like super weird because there's like the guardian angels wore like berets and things like that, and like you know, black panthers were berets too. The planthers, young lords, um, obviously, uh, Fidel Castro was into berets. So like, and then there's like the green berets. So like, there's like this history of like a beret as like a signal of militants, mm-hmm. but then it's kind of defanged in a way by the fact that it's like a pink beret and a pink shirt like they're they're like feminizing that look so actually kind of now that you say that I kind of want that to exist like a lady version like a lady's military yeah. protection yeah I think like it I, I don't know I was like thinking so many thoughts about it because it's like definitely like you can see where a neighborhood watch group uh like would fill in where the police like aren't helping you because like the police like actually don't catch bike thieves most of the time like I actually like looked at it and it was like yeah there's like they sometimes actively discourage you from reporting your bike you know being stolen wh- why what's the reason for them not because it's too many apparently like so they basically like never catch them because the person who steals your bike usually never has a relationship with you and like those kinds of crimes are harder to catch mm-hmm. and so like if you're rep- like police are incentivized to not have as many crimes reported that are ones that where they wouldn't like be able to catch anyone for their stats um so it's like yeah i was really there so many deep dives like people's bikes get stolen in cities all the time it's basically like impossible to like find the person who took your bike get it recovered so it's like yeah like what do you do you know i guess like a neighborhood watch group it could be an entity that's like okay well like the police can't help you the crime catchers like are here yeah but they're so useless yeah Uh, let's start with that because like i feel like apparently they've been stalking the tenors all day because they come right away like danny just got on the phone with the police yeah and then they're like right there right away like maybe they're at kimmy's house whatever but like they're ready to pounce right away so maybe they're in like someone her van or her car listening in they're listening they have a police scanner so i guess like perhaps like that was just a fast that was too fast of a turn their yeah. neighbor this is Carruthers that's why I have a theory that maybe they knew Michelle maybe I should spoil it now Michelle left her bike at her friend's house I feel like maybe they <gasps> knew because they've been they've been watching them all week basically because she's used to how like she saw Joey take out the trash or something like a few days before like so they've been monitoring Tanner's yeah so maybe they knew Michelle hasn't like had her bike with her for days 
So maybe they like were waiting for something to happen with this, and like they're just like I don't know something about like them monitoring the tanners, and they it's weird were really concerned about helping them. And this is where like neighborhood watches have this like you know uh, this is too much to go into, but like a darker, more fucked up side because I feel like being busy like one of the things like they're not in the suburbs, but like one of the things I think is like kind of terrible about the suburbs is that people like snitch on their neighbors, and they're like very like concerned with like oh my god this person is like parking a truck in their driveway that looks bad and like oh like this person did this or that like people are mad nosy they are just like watching you all the time yeah but it's I wonder, really like, weird because normally like in real life it would be like a the tanners would be a person like a family of color that they're monitoring super closely but they're not yeah. and i feel like what is it about the tanners that like warrant this intense like surveillance you know i think like I will say, like, having grown up in the suburbs, that um, regardless of your, like, race or ethnicity, like, people are just, like, in your business, and they are really, like, um, they really are weird about things, like, I said the thing about, like, a truck being in the driveway, like, I think that, like, my parents, like, made a comment about that, about, like, a white family that they, like, know. They're, like, it really looks bad that this, like, construction truck has been in the driveway for so long. I was, like, why do you, it's their house. Like, who, like, who cares? So, I feel like, um, there's, like, obviously, like, one of the reasons neighborhood watch groups came about was this, like, racist response to desegregation of neighborhoods. But also Mrs. Carruthers, in this instance, is a sexual predator because she's also stalking joey yeah i think maybe it's like a more sexual thing for for her and that kimmy's also like doesn't understand boundaries that well so like she's like on board with it anyway i'm so confused like what are what was your thought on like why kimmy even joined the crime catchers Ooh, that's a good question like i was like what because i can really understand an impulse to help your community but it's like so focused on like I'm like it's so focused on the carceral I feel like it's state. a surveillance like, thing. I think she was like she likes to look at dudes get naked. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's like part of their things that they just look at people. And I feel like they're both like kind of skeevy like that. They are both skeevy like that. Like I I appreciate turning the male gaze around on men to a certain extent. And it's like no, yeah. this is creepy. But it's like no, this is like clearly because like Joey is clearly uncomfortable by Mrs. Mm-hmm. Carruthers' behavior. Yeah. Um, all right, so then we cut to Jesse and Michelle are in the car, and then Michelle see, sees um, David Schultz with the pink bike. By the way, first of all, let's pause. That bike is so generic. Like, every girl, I had a bike. I literally had a bike like that. We were poor, and I still have my pink bike with the tassels. That bike is, like, so generic, and, like, the fact that, like, yeah. it's shouldn't surprise them that there are a bunch of them out there. Like, why would they think it's Michelle's bike? Anyway. That, yeah, that was really... This whole thing was, like, really... I mean, it's all contrived such that there could be comedic moments, but I just feel like, damn, like, you are not responsible parents. You're just out here. They're so manic. They're, yeah. like, frantic. Um, So then, like... Um, Jesse's in the car, by the way, talking about how the one time he lost his comb, his depart. He's like, oh, you, I don't know. Just like, I eventually got over it. He's like, you got, you just eventually, you rebuild and you move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then, like, she points David Schultz out and they get out the car and, like, confront or harass basically this little kid and then david schultz says that like it's his sister's bike Mm -hmm. his bike got a flat like that's why he's using her and i feel like that's like why would they think that it's he's lying about that like why would he voluntarily steal like an ugly 
girl yeah. guy, quote unquote. I think so. The fact is, so he's a, he's introduced as like a school bully. He calls Michelle toothless Tanner. I think that they're like he is a bad boy. He's a bully. He's predisposed, and he also like you pointed out when we were watching this that he has this like weird nineties <laughs> bully voice. Yes, the most affected, most intense nineties <laughs> bully voice. For like, it's like he just like ate up the scene. He chewed up the scenery. Like yes. took his time with every syllable. Like yes. he over enunciated everything. Um, he I'm was gonna, gonna make it. Count. Yeah. <laughs> Pause for a clip. I'm gonna talk to you about this bike. Be careful, Uncle Jesse. That's David Shaw. He's a big bully. Hey, look, it's Toothless Tanner. You stole my bike. Your dog food, mister. What are you talking about? This is my sister's. Mine's got a flat. Look, uh, why don't you just give us the bike and we won't press charges? Bike? I'm scared. Come on, what do you want to end up in a slammer? Give Michelle back what's hers, and we'll pretend like this whole thing never happened. And I'll pretend I give to Hoots. <laughs> Davey, 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 Davey. I, uh, I, I know what you're going for here, because I was just like you. You know, when I was a kid, I was always trying to be the tough guy. You know, Is this story long or just boring? Give me the bike. <laughs> Now, if you're finished wasting my time, I have a trumpet lesson. And don't even think about messing with this rocket solid steel. I told you he was tough. Yep. But not too bright. Come on, let's get out of here fast. Got it. All right. Um, yeah, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> this is his moment of fame, and he's shown. Like, he, he really did. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then Jesse um, burns to fresh charges on this little boy, and, like, he's like, they're all just, like, getting way too intense way yeah. too quickly. We are all too invested in the carceral state. No children should ever be incarcerated. Why are you threat? Why are there so, so much of a fear bike. of jail time? Like, I know, the slam- everyone's, like, paranoid about being the slammer. Yeah. You know what? It's the 90s tough on crime era, though, and that's the kind of, that was the state of discourse. Mm. It was very much about, like, no, ch- you know, no second chances for people. <laughs> Even David Schultz. Uh, so, <laughs> Jesse lifts the bike over the parking meter because like the boy like locks it and it, obviously it won't stay to the parking meter because it's really easy to steal a bike yeah. like there's no lock that can really like seal the deal and then they go home and then they go walk into the living room and danny has a bike too mm-hmm. and then right after that joey comes in with his bike <laughs> that he got off a truck yeah and the bike even has like a note in it from mm-hmm. the child's parents so people are, they're just snatching bikes out thinking without like no thoughts like this bike is pink i'm taking yeah. it i think they just you know what they just like love michelle so much and she's very manipulative i, have, I guess yep. i gotta know about that too yeah and um, they're just like panicking and they're like we have to solve this and she's such a scammer she says i'm gonna i want the newest bike because she's like oh like, yeah. which one's your, okay, michelle which one's your bike and she's like oh um, i'll take this one it's the newest looking one and it's like no Girl, no, that's not your bike. Yeah, I was like, I was like, why is she doing this? Like, does she secretly just want a new bike? Because I like this is holding a ploy for her to that's get so new weird. stuff. Yeah. Um. So then she's like freaking out. It's like, all oh, these bikes are stolen. Are we all gonna go to Slammer? 
Um, talking about the slammer lots of times in this episode. Like, we created such a state of fear in the 1990s. Mm. <laughs> and then Danny says, no, we're, we're all going to just, like, return all these bikes. And then mm-hmm. Michelle gets mad because, like, oh, well, now everyone's going to get their bike back. It's help me. It's like, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry. Like, that sucks. But also your dad is, like, rich enough that you guys went on this Disney vacation several episodes ago like you're fine he could buy another like how much does a bike cost i literally I have no know. idea i have no clue like a hundred dollars i don't like know a kid's bike for a, oh. kid's bike, a, for a walmart kid's bike like 120 no. back especially back then no what? no way it wouldn't have cost that much i feel like i think a lot of my bikes were like thrifted or like vintage i definitely had like one i think you could buy walmart bike for christmas i think you could buy a bike for like 30 bucks I don't think they were that. My mom like made a, a big deal bike? about it being me getting a bike, so I don't know. <laughs> like, why she made a big deal? Maybe because really? we were poor. Uh, I don't know. This is a good I question. have no idea. We have the internet right there. Are we going to look? No. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, I had a question. Like, I had a note that said, is Michelle evil? <laughs> In this episode, again, like, she's, yeah, really, like, intent on thinking that people are out to get her. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was like noting all the ways. Like, Danny took one from a library. Joey took one off a truck. Jesse like stole it from a little kid. Like, they're all so manic. Yeah. Um. And I, I have a note that said like these impulsive behaviors reflect the desperation exhibited in the movie. This episode is named after like the desperation of the bicycle thieves and like matches their <sighs> desperation to find this bike. I'll just tease it now. Michelle references economic anxiety. Ooh, interesting. All right. And they're desperate to, like, appease that. We'll talk about well, it like, in more detail. Oh, yeah. Um, I got I to stir that over in my mind. Um, so then Jesse and Joey go into the kitchen. And then while they're down there, um, Becky comes downstairs because they're hiding the bikes. Well, Mr. Carruthers comes in from the front. Mm-hmm. And then so they go in the kitchen. And then... But he comes downstairs and like she's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Just remain cool. Innocent family. Guys. <laughs> Sorry. Put the boys down for a nap. I must have conked out myself. Hey, what'd you guys do? Rip off a bike store? <laughs> hey. you stole mine off a kid and he stole his off a truck. Yeah. What? Open up! It's crime catchers. Official business. It's Kipper. Hide the bikes. Uh, listen, you saw nothing and you heard nothing. I know nothing. That's my girl. Didn't we used to have a rule around here, no bikes in the house? Thank you, Mrs. Goodhair. All right. Get set up. Can't catch a criminal without the right equipment. Fax machine, cell phone, map of crime sector, police scanner. Hear me. What is this, the bad cave? No, it's your basic crime catcher's mobile headquarters kit. Do you realize that four bikes have been stolen in our neighborhood? Really? I would have guessed three. Hi, Becky. Becky, call me Mommy. You didn't give me a flower on Becky's day. I see bikes. Did he just say, I see bikes? I see bikes? No, of course not. He said, I see bites. <laughs> Those mosquitoes are just out of control, huh? <laughs> well, I gotta get some calamine lotion. <laughs> Ta-ta. 
Yeah. Because Becky's in the dark. Yeah, like I said, when we were watching it, Joe, Jesse just left the house to look for the magazine until Becky's, like, in the dark of all, all of this. Yeah, she, like, there's, like, oh, I must have taken a nap when I put the kids down for a nap. I was, like, interesting, convenient plot moment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I also same. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're probably fucking exhausted if you've got whenever I babysit kids. Whenever I babysit kids, like, when they go to sleep, I'm, like, exhausted, too. And that guy's, like, this is my one chance yeah. to, like, look at my phone or, like, take a nap. Mm. That's a great time. That's a precious moment when your kids go to sleep. That is true, yeah. Jesse's out still in bikes, meanwhile. <laughs> um, yeah, and then, like, they, they knock on the door. It's Kimmy going through the kitchen, and so they, like, run upstairs, and, like, they just stall for us, just, like, pretend you know nothing. She's like, I don't know anything. <laughs> and then Kimmy comes in and calls her Mrs. Good Hair. I love that. <laughs> That's such a good name for Becky. And her own hair is fan. Becky's hair is fantastic, too. I mean, like, you don't have to go on. Like, every episode, I feel like I just talk about how gorgeous Becky yeah. is and how pretty she is. But oh, I feel like, totally. rewatch, I don't know, like, I have a lot, a lot more listeners than I ever realized. But I have a lot more. I was, like, looking at the stats a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, people are listening to this. Really? Yeah. How many more people? More than I'm going to say, but it's, like, more than I ever expected. Oh, my God. Yeah. More than five? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so people I don't know are listening. It has to be. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Most people are listening. So if you're listening to this, I hope you're watching this episode. So, like, somehow, like, looking at pictures that I post on Instagram. Yeah. Because you have to, like, take this out in. It's all visual, too. Like, yeah. try to like, describe it a lot, obviously. But, like, treat yourself. Go back and watch. It really, yeah, it's a, it's like, and if you watched it when you were younger, like, that nostalgia is, like, this is a crazy thing to say, but I, like, literally, like, I almost feel like things that you watched when you were a kid, there's, like, an attachment to it the way that, like, if you grew up with, like, religion, you may not believe it anymore, you're an atheist now, whatever, you're like, God is dead, blah, 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 blah. But it's, like, still certain trappings mm-hmm. of, like, religiousness will, like, affect you, I think. Yeah. Like, that's how, like, it is kind of for me. And I feel like with Flaws. It's a religious experience. Like, not that Flaws is, like. No, like, exactly. But it's, it's a like, religious experience. It's a part. It was, like, such a deep part of my, like, childhood that, like, when I go back and watch it, I'm, like, I know objectively this is not the most, like, humorous plot or but joke is it, or though? whatever. I feel like, I don't know. Like, I, like, took a long break between, like, the 90s and when I started rewatching it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, this is actually. I'm laughing. Like, I'm not forcing a laugh. It's not even, like, a cringy laugh, either. It's like, this is a funny no, joke. No, I am laughing, but I don't know if that I would I if I didn't watch it It's a hard a thing. Just, like, I just, like, gotta I get into it. I can't separate it because it's, like, this feels good. I feel like I'm mm-hmm. being around. Like, I actually started watching a bunch of, like, the press that, like, the cast members that went on Fuller House were doing, and they are like, reminiscing about, like, the, the time, and they were, like, we, like, just love each other so much. Like, we have known each other for, like, 30 years, and, like, being around each other just, like, feels good we like missed each other like they really are kind of like a it's corny they are they They Disney World together a lot yeah yeah, it's like they're a family for real for real and like you kind of like really feel like a part of that when you when you watch it and like having that connect back to your childhood it's like it's it really shocks me honestly like how connected you sort of feel that yeah I feel like nostalgia is like super trendy right now it's like bringing everything old back Mm -hmm. but I feel like in some cases it's for a reason like I feel like Full House is legit a cultural moment yeah that deserves that kind of like revisiting yeah and there is a lot of except for how they kind of treat Kimmy a lot of the time there's a lot of love and kindness which is is. you kind of want that now and you kind of need it Mm -hmm. in this especially like now yeah I feel like a lot of it's hard for like shows to be earnest Nowadays, mm-hmm. like be like actually, I feel like if it's they either don't do it at all or they do like a really like over the top way with like this is us and like those kind of dramatic shows. It's like it's just too over the top and like too. Yeah, you're manipulating over your, me over the now. Head. Yeah. yeah. 
feel like there's not enough of like just like genuine people being nice to each other and like learning lessons and yeah more of that soothing about it um give me a like it's like interrogating becky in the kitchen (laughs) and then um one of the twins comes downstairs and says i see bikes (laughs) and then there's a bit where like she said oh i see bites call in motion itch 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 go upstairs Mm -hmm. just get her out of there yeah oh yeah and i forgot to mention kimmy rolls in like this intense oh my god First of all, can we name the items on her command center, her, like, Crime Catcher's command center? Go ahead. There is a fax machine, okay? Like, thriving. There's a fax machine. There is, like, a cell phone, like, a 90s cell phone, like, what you would have seen in the film Clueless, like, mm-hmm. when Cher and Dion, like, walk up to each other and there's that gag where it's like, oh, my God, they're both on a cell phone and walked near each other, which at the time was a crazy joke because none of us had cell phones. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I guess rich people did. I clearly did not. There's, like, a map. Oh, yeah. There's, like, a map of locations. They have a police scanner. Yep. Like, they have a whole... The fax machine, though, was the biggest gag to me. Like, it was like... you faxing me? You rolled a fax machine into this home. Like, I can't even, like... Did you have... Like, access to a fax machine seems wild to me. Like, having one in one's home that you had access to? We have a fax machine. You did? I'm a business lady. Oh, okay. I was like, that seems crazy. A fax machine? (laughs) She was, like, business-oriented. Like, I don't think she needed it for work, but she, like, she was, like... It just came, like, it just made sense for her to have one because, like, she liked faxing documents. I feel like we used it, especially when college came around. Like, for some reason, like, I was, like, faxing stuff for college. You know, it's funny, like, how long you could still... Because when I worked at Macmillan Publishers, we had to fax things sometimes. That was, like, literally, like, 2010. And it was, like, this is wild that in this day and age we're still using it. But I also worked at CVS in the pharmacy. And, like, it was kind of a fun gag to, like, fax things to your friends, like, at other... Like, like I had, like, a friend working at the other CVS. So we, like, faxed each other when i worked at a nonprofit, like in 2013 <laughs> it was still common for people like especially like within company like within because we had programs around mm-hmm. massachusetts like we will and then we have facts between our different branches basically oh. so that's handy like a, like official documents like where people had to sign signatures and like it was the easiest way to like and people were afraid of digital signatures mm-hmm. for like too long people were like yeah because like <laughs> someone like people were still using internet explorer still with us so i feel like it was just like they it was like easier for them to like use a fax and what's like to scan oh stuff and email so it so funny anyway um they're upstairs in the girls bedroom and like mm-hmm. joey and jesse are trying to like figure out how to get the bikes out and then joey has his plans to like dismantle them and stuff it down their pants just walk right out there <laughs> he's like super serious about it he's just like that's, that's all i got man so, like, i mean like there if you had an mc hammer pant you know, you could maybe... You could, yeah. I, I don't know that I believe that Joey could dismantle a bike. No, Jesse could. He was a mechanic. <gasps> Remember? Oh, yeah. What was the deal? Was he a mechanic or um, an exterminator? Because oh, they wait. kind of messed it up. Remember? I feel like they tried to say he both things. He was exterminator, but he also... He was Actually, a mechanic just for exterminator vans. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was a mechanic. I think they changed the storyline. Like- no, I remember, like, the earliest episodes, or, like, in the first season, he, they definitely mentioned he was a exterminator. Yeah. For sure. But I don't know, maybe he wasn't a mechanic. Maybe I'm I think they, no, I think they switched it up. I, because I think they said both things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, the, then, like, the kids are upstairs, and, like, DJ and, uh, what's his face? Because they all know that, like, DJ, Steve, and Stephanie are, like, say, oh, three bikes are missing now. Well, they came with the flyers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. 
And, uh, what's, yeah, talk about the flyer. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. I was, like, dying. This was my favorite gag of the whole thing. And I, like, I don't know if this is gonna get cut from before. I mentioned this before or not, but, like, there's, <laughs> there's a flyer that says, have you seen this bicycle thief? And it's, like, a police sketch of Uncle Jesse. A great sketch. Oh, it's the best gag. I, like, He's smoldering. Love it. <laughs> like, and he has, like, kind of, like, drippy-looking hair a little bit. Like, he definitely, like, I don't know why, like, police sketch gags like always get me i think oh yeah so especially funny. like even like the real ones in real life where like like the unabomber one yeah <laughs> um the one where like the leprechaun thing <gasps> oh, the- oh my god oh my god it's my favorite thing yes oh my god the alabama leprechaun mm-hmm. oh my god you're from alabama did you know him no the leprechaun alabama's huge <laughs> Like, don't expect that I knew a leprechaun. (laughs) And and that town, though, that town was like, I think it was in Mobile, too, and that's like way south. Okay, so just to be clear, you you, you don't personally know know any leprechauns. Yeah, I don't know where the gold is. The guy in the video. No, I meant the leprechaun. (laughs) Did you know the leprechaun that lived in trees? Like, that whole lore about leprechauns being in trees, like, where did that come from? Is that a thing that I didn't know about leprechauns? I think that is one of my favorite internet videos of all time. Oh. Um, all right, so then Jenny tells him to go upstairs and say, because um, Danny's like, oh, that's not Jesse, that's Uncle Stavros. He looks at, he looks like Uncle Stavros, but like, no, he, that's impossible. He oh, no, he said Seymour. Not Seymour. Is Stavros, Stavros is another the, person. Okay, is that another when cousin. Jesse does the gag where he's dressed as the cousin? Yeah. Well, it's like, he's a real person, though. Stavros is a real cousin, but, but like, John Seymour's played But it's Stavros. played by John. He, we're yeah. doing like a, like a, that bit. Yeah. <sighs> Um, what a good trip. Uncle Seymour. So they go upstairs, see the bikes, and then they're like, um, we're in trouble. Michelle's like, we're going to the slammer, I'm packing up. Um, so then they decide to like take the bikes from the living room, because like they're in the kitchen, so we'll just like take them to the living room. And there's like yeah. this psych egg of them like carrying the bikes down the stairs mm-hmm. and coming back up the stairs, and like there's a lot of bike eggs. And this, there's this so bike. many like, like play, play a clip up and down the stairs, and like, yeah, because like Leonard Schultz is at the door, that's why the, the bang, the intense bang on the door, terrifying. Um, so yeah. I want to play the clip of the lie that Jesse says about like, I'm not Jesse, I'm Joey, yeah, he says he's Joey, and then Joey's. Danny, because so Jesse's not there. Yes, and it's so like a three's company esque sort of hijinks yeah. happening. Um. Yeah, what do you want, sir? I'm Leonard Schultz, Davy's father. I'm looking for some guy named Jesse. Took my kid's bike. He looks exactly like you. Oh, no, no, no. This doesn't look anything like me. Look at the sideburns uneven. Mine, totally even. See how that works? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. So who are you, anyway? I am, uh, I'm Joey. Oh, Joey? I'm gonna sit right over here and wait for this Jesse punk to show up. There's a couple of things I want to impress upon him. Yeah? Like, uh, like what? Like my left fist and my right. Huh? Hey? Uh, uh, Danny. Danny, Danny. Hi, it's me, your old pal Joey. Pardon him, 
let me explain. This is uh, this here is uh, Leonard Schultz. He's Davy's father, and for some wacky reason, he, he seems to think that Jesse stole his kid's bike. And Jesse's nowhere to be found, thank God, because um, because Leonard here has a bone to pick with him, and, and we all know how painful bone picking. Joey. Yes. <laughs> she was calling for you, wasn't she, Joey? Yes, she was, Danny. <laughs> Jesse's lying. Well, um, okay, so Leonard Schultz is the like nineties bully's dad, and he's very scary and he's wearing a vest. He's like a big bald dude. He's got a stone cold Steve Austin vibe, mm-hmm. but he's wearing a vest that's like definitely like not he sh- needed a bigger vest. This vest couldn't button on him. And it, you saw like the little like he had like a little it was like tied open on the side where like you can like revert you can like stretch it out a little bit. Yeah. So it's tied. Yeah. So Extended a little bit. But <laughs> it's like it wasn't a weird. Enough. They're like, but they're like, if we put a vest on someone, that will signal that he's scary. That's like the signal the black of, leather of vest. tough, yeah, yeah, of toughness. So Jesse is, you know, terrified because Jesse is not as burly as this man. And yeah, then he just goes on this weird lying spree. And I, I that personally follow. I still can't follow it completely. Yeah, I personally am like not. Um, I'm terrible at lying like you literally like can always tell what I'm like thinking or feeling basically Mm -hmm. because I like I'm so like I'm just like incapable of it to me I would have never told any of those lies because I know I would like get caught in it or whatever so I feel like him carrying this like on and on and on it's like Jesse you just have to like come clean no they're freaked out they're too scared I'm just terrified I think they're more afraid of Michelle than of than Leonard Schultz yeah Interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then DJ says she has a plan, and then we go to the kitchen where <laughs> <laughs> where they're all there. Like Mrs. Carruthers, like interrogating Danny with the baton. <laughs> well, yes, but like it's it's about has Joey ever mentioned her? Yeah, because she's like perving out, perving out with Joey about Joey, um, and then. As a like a decoy, Stephanie goes down and does like a magic trick, a really bad magic trick. But meanwhile, oh my god! Meanwhile, the DJ's plan apparently is to drop the bikes down <laughs> from the window, tie when like tying them up with like towels and t-shirts and stuff, <laughs> and like to like lower them down from yes. the ceiling, like have have her catch it, not not have Steve catch it. Like she like is supposed to, like catch the bikes basically as they're lowered yeah. down. It's a bad idea. Like, it's, like, it's like a dumb idea. It's, like, a dumb plan for DJ. Like, I feel like I would expect more from her. <laughs> I actually have the opposite opinion. Really? Maybe because I just loved this gag so much. The gag of tying things to bed sheets and lowering it's them down out a window is so... It's fun. It was so, it's funnier to me than it had a right to be. Like, <laughs> but it's just, like, yeah, it's, like, probably not an act... You're actually probably right. It's not an actually good plan. It's a terrible idea. And then... <laughs> She gets walloped in the face by a bike. Like, Steve drops the bikes on her. Like, yeah. she, like, drops down. Like, it's so... I'm gonna, like, play a clip on... I'm gonna put the clip on Instagram. Yeah. Like, she, like it, the bikes fall on her. Yes. And Danny doesn't do anything. Like, he's, like, still, like... He doesn't, he's like, run out. trying to maintain the charade. He's very, like, <laughs> jumpy and, like... Yeah. Again, man, I keep saying, but they are, like... It's so, like, uneasy to watch Danny, like, just, like, oh, bounce yeah. around. And, like, 
I don't know, like, like what are you, like, he's not going to lie, and he's really uncomfortable with it. Yeah, and, like, his door is, like, knocked out in the backyard. <laughs> like, there's a crash sound. <laughs> yeah. Like, and Steve is like, hey, Mr. G, hope you didn't mind, like, hope you didn't like that ceramic planter. <laughs> like, and then runs out and yes. cares for, the only one who cares that DJ is, like, knocked out. <laughs> he loves her forever. Yeah. Get yourself Ride or die. Steve's great. Yeah. Um, and then we're back in the living room and Leonard and Jesse and, and Joey on the couch. There's the three men are squished together in a really weirdly sort of homosocial moment. I didn't see it that way. I just thought like a, it was a sight gag. Like it was more like a fat sight gag than it was. It it is, but I do feel like the show often has these like moments where it's like men are are like you know too affectionate or more close together or whatever. Like remember the one with the golf gag where like yeah. Uncle Joey is like behind Jesse. Of course you do. Yeah, obviously. Like I feel like they have a lot of those. Sort of they like, do, but I, don't, I didn't see this one as that. I just saw it as like them. Just it's there for the psych gag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's probably fair. Um, all right, and then Becky comes in, and like she's not, again, she's still in the dark about the name situation, the name lie they're doing. Um, but then she knows Leonard because like that's her butcher. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you see him with the cleaver. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, she's like she's confused about like maybe I'll play a clip now. Y'all gonna play a clip um, about this whole thing. And this is my husband Joey. Right, hug, hug. Uh, say, uh... <laughs> I'm still Becky, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse. Oh, hey, that kid's calling you Jesse. Uh, no, it's just it's just a crazy little phase he's going through. It's, it's, it's nutty. You know, last week he was calling everyone Frankie. Uh, now, uh, young man, you know my name isn't Jesse. Jesse, I love you. <laughs> Leonard, I'm not going to lie in front of my kid. Jesse, not for long. What's going on in here? Let this guy stole my kid's bike. No, no, no. This whole thing is a big misunderstanding. The bikes are upstairs. Oh, <laughs> Why didn't you say so? Because I couldn't breathe. Uh, Jess, um, the bikes aren't upstairs. Going up. Turn to the rightful owners right now. Oh, oh uh, DJ, Steve, this is Leonard Schultz. He is looking for his kid's bike. <laughs> bike? Uh, uh, DJ, do you know anything about a, a bike? Uh, I used to have a bike. <laughs> Lift off. <laughs> and dogs. 
catches on mm-hmm. but then when the twins comes in it's like hi jesse <sighs> and this is the callback to the to the like cold cold open yeah the cold, cold open the cold open yeah <laughs> how like there she so he, that's his dad is jesse he knows that and like he says i love you jesse and that's why jesse comes clean yeah because he, he can't, can't lie in it. front of his kid he can mm-hmm. lie in general but just not in front of his kid yeah. <laughs> it's like until i had a daughter i didn't realize women should be treated as human beings like i feel like it's kind of like in that vein we're just like oh yeah you could have just been like <laughs> like not lying or you could have been a good person like without having that like impact of your kid but some people need their kids to make them be better people i guess yeah does and- that work do you think do some people become better people for their kids? I guess they do. I think we want to believe that, but I don't think that's true. I think people get worse. Ooh. People just get worse and project on their onto their kids. <gasps> do you think everyone does that, or just like people were kind of shitty to begin I with? I think it's most people. Yeah. <laughs> because I have friends. I feel like my friends that have kids are actually like, um, like sometimes I'm like, oh, you're like even better than before. I think that can happen eventually. Like, you get better all yeah. the time, but... They're either the same... You get worse before you get better, I feel like. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I don't have that many friends that have kids, but the ones that do, I'm like, oh, yeah, you, like, um, you're, like, as good of a friend as you were before. Or even, like, I don't know, even, like, yeah, even better or kinder. Like, I don't know. It's, like... I've been, like, pretty lucky, I think, because I was really worried when my friends started having kids. I was like, oh, this is, like, weird. This is going to fuck my day up. Yeah. But now I'm like, hey, guys, like, what's up? Can I come to the Care Bear Movie Marathon? Like, I'm super fucking into that. You're a good person. (laughs) I love Care Bear so much. Any excuse. Is it good? Have you watched it recently? Because I never watched Care Bears. Um, Well, I actually just went on this, like, weird deep dive because um okay this is a side this is a side tangent i'll try to make it quick okay so you recall are you afraid of the dark mm-hmm. right it was a to me it was a very terrifying show i was super scared of it my partner recently was like heather i really want to watch an episode of your are you afraid of the dark i want to watch the carnival episode and i was like no way like it's nighttime there's no way i'm watching are you afraid of the dark at night because i am afraid of the dark Aww. i basically am i'm a fucking crybaby. like i'm too scared of everything but finally i got brave enough to watch it then 
that led me down a rabbit hole of thinking when did it become a trope that carnivals like an old old timey carnivals and Mm -hmm. fairs were scary because like I've watched a lot of Coney Island related documentaries and done a lot of like historical reading that way, like for work stuff and things. And like, you know, in the 1930s and 40s, that was just a cool fucking place to go. Yeah. So it was not a scary thing then. Individual things could be scary. Yeah, I was or say, fun like houses. a bunch of like oddities, and, like people who they would like put in. Yeah. All put on display. It's like see like creepy looking people or different looking mm-hmm. people. That was part of it. Though. There are definitely freak shows. There are definitely like um, the like tunnel of horror and things like that. But it, the the whole place setting itself was supposed to be like a happy place with these weird moments. So it was like, okay, when historically did carnivals become this trope that was used in like, like in Scooby-Doo, I feel like there's always like haunted abandoned amusement parks mm-hmm. and like in all these other vehicles, including... The Care Bears second movie is all set kind of in like haunted amusement parky thing with like literally there's like an evil spirit that possesses a book. It's so fucking scary. Care yes, this is Care Bears. It's where you meet the Care Bear cut. There's a lot. A lot goes on there. So I don't know. My ultimate conclusion was that this came from like um like sort of decay and decline in like the 60s and 70s. And so like by the time that media was being created in the 70s and 80s, there were tons of, like, amusement parks that had been, like, turn-of-the-century amusement parks that had fallen into disrepair and had become that kind of setting. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that was my... <laughs> that was my tangent on haunted old amusement parks. Speaking of watching Are You Afraid of the Dark, can we, before you leave, like, watch some YouTube videos I want to show you? Yes, but I, if it's Are You Afraid of the Dark... No, no, it's going to be fun stuff. Okay. I just want you to watch. Okay. Well, and watch you watch it. I'm going to be really <laughs> No, I don't... No, it's like funny stuff. <laughs> all right. I'm going to cut all that out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then um, immediately... Like after, the, I'm gonna play the clip, but like the crime cut just come in. I said all the bikes have been returned, and um, I was like, "Are people just calling the cops over and over again to report stuff?" Like, no, there's all the no. Time? Th- this doesn't check out unless they were crawling. Yeah, I, like I, there's no way everybody would have called the cops in that. The cops would have never acted that quickly. They would have never like. But the cops didn't do anything. Though. That's the thing, though. The cops had nothing to do with this episode. They did nothing. I mean, I guess... like they're receiving calls, obviously, but like like people were just calling over and over again with like my bike's gone, my bike's returned. The only thing I can think of is who made that police sketch of Uncle Jesse? Mm. Yeah, that a police sketch artist. I don't think that was police. They didn't say it was police sketch. It was just like a sketch. It's true. Who had the skills? I mean, skilled labor. Maybe Leonard. Because that's from the Leonard kid told his dad about it yeah so i feel like maybe it's an artistic family obviously i just i feel like that's such a specific skill set i don't yeah the cop but at the end of the day i don't think the cops provided any they did nothing at all because i thought it tracks with what you researched like the cops don't do anything about lost bikes no they don't like i mean there's a lot of like yeah i think there's a lot of crimes that they just legit like they just can't help you with it. They're not going to, like, bring you justice. Especially, like, a $30 Walmart bike, which is what they're looking after. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, just, it's not going to happen. The police aren't, you know. Um, so then, the like we said before, like, the 
and gag is that Michelle's bike has been at her friend Derek's house for an entire week. That like dorky mama's boyfriend who's so adorable. Mm-hmm. And he's like, maybe like I'm like, it's too early to tell, but I'm like, is he supposed to be like a little bit gay? Like I'm not I'm not sure what his deal what I love is. about oh, I will say what I love about Michelle's friend group is like they're just like great group of kids. Like yeah. it's just so diverse and just like letting each other be who they're gonna be. He is he's just this he refers to his mom as mother. Yep. He's like this <laughs> very cats weird. and dogs. Mother gave you a ride home. <laughs> he has this sort of like weird elevated like i love Derek. yes he's like a little bit of a dandy kind of mm-hmm. i appreciate that so much yeah oh i love that i would love to have like a dandy son oh my god like a fancy but i don't know how that happens i have to be you have to be fancy yourself to have a fancy kid and i just won't be able to get that to a kid oh you know what i feel like a lot of my uh my friends that are gay were sort of like little dandies regardless not even of that. Yeah, not family even like, yeah like they gay. just found like a way a fancy kid who's just a fancy kid I just can't get that to them. I don't know. I have like, a stuck-up kid that's like has expensive taste, but I don't think can like make them speak a certain way and like. Yeah. Which is what I love about Derek. He's great. I think I could, like a descriptive kid. Maybe that can happen though. If you have like kids who like watch good movies and like read books, yeah, that can happen that way. I think kids, right? They like mimic what they like see in popular culture or from their friends or whatever. So if they find that in whatever media they're consuming, and they can kind of like try to be like, I feel like you've talked about this with like Michelle or something, like mm-hmm. trying to be kind of like that. Yeah, because I do that. So like yeah, I could say you'd be like a Derek's. little dandy kid. Yeah. Okay. And you were watching some kind of like I don't know, like maybe the kid was watching like British TV shows Ooh, or something, I, you know? Like maybe I, I don't want a kid, but I would. I'm kind of want one now, so I can like make them watch. Cause I love old black and white movies, and I love Cary Grant. So if I just watch a bunch See, of Cary Grant that's movies, what it, you would totally just that's what Cary would happen. Grant's speaking voice, the way he like that affected kind of of like I can't new England. What is it called? The new like the new. It's a certain kind of like the new, new something. Movie. New something American speak is dialect is like what it's called. Um, yeah, that Catherine Hepburny. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. Oh I'm my kid. god, I'm a kid. Well, you bullied a lot, but still. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then there's no talk in this episode. It just ends with no sentimental talk, no music. They, Jenny takes everyone out to their first frozen yogurt, including. Um, Leonard's <laughs> Leonard Schultz. Schultz. Um, and then Jesse's like, oh, it's okay. We just, we'll do anything for you. That's the, that's how it is. Also, it's like Danny giving the talks to me. That's why it's so terrible. Yeah. But there's this no, like. true. Danny is great at those talks and he did not give it. No, he's like, maybe he was like in cleanup mode. He was like, I just like, I can get sued. <laughs> so, that <laughs> is wild to me. Cause like, that was the first, the whole reason I started looking up like, oh, what are the kind of penalties for stealing a bike or whatever is cause I was like, this is insane that they stole a bunch of children's bikes and there are no in broad daylight. Yeah. yeah. Like I just feel like, like Joey like got on someone's personal property and sold that bike. He got so much truck and just like took yeah, it yeah that is like really crazy to me i don't know like i just feel like in this day and age like you would have harsher consequences for the fact that you like took all those bikes right like as adults I, yeah i just wonder like that's why i feel like this episode is disturbing in so many levels yeah um, so let me go into the talk the reason behind um mm. I'll just, like, give you a synopsis of the movie, and then I'll, like, have my analysis after. Yeah. All right, so the movie is about a guy named Antonio, and he's desperate for work because it's with his wife. He has a wife and a son who's, like, he's only, like, five-year-old, six-year-old boy and a mm-hmm. baby. And um, he finds a new job posting advertisements, and he can't 
get it because it requires a bike. So his wife gives her the dowry, but she's to sell to get the bike. Did you say what time period this book this is from? By the, the way, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and um, so on the first day of the job, his bike is stolen by a little kid. Um, and then he goes on this like race around the city to find the bike. He's chasing the little boy, and then the police warn that there's little that they can do. The police say, I can't do anything about it. And also, there's a thing about the neighbors protecting the little boy, because like, they know the boy who did it. Well, the neighbors are, like, not going to help, because, like, there's, like, protection or, like, anger um, against the guy for trying to, like, mess up the little boy. So, yeah, so no one's, like, going to help him. Um, and meanwhile, like, he's taking his son with him the entire time. He's taking his little boy around the city to, like, get the bike. Um, and then... He, there's a moment where, like, after, it's, like, rain, shine, like, through churches, like, there's, like, going around the entire city, and then, like, and there's, like, watching a soccer game, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, they see a bike just unattended, just a, not his bike, but just a random bike, and he's, like, he tells his son to go into the train to, like, go home. He sends his son off, and he goes to steal the bike, but his son never goes on the train. The son's been watching it the whole time. Oh. And so he goes and steals the bike, and then, but he gets caught. Like, the whole mob is, like, running after him and, like, trying to beat him up. And, like, his boy, his son is watching the whole time. Mm. And the bike owner has, like, a moment of sympathy. It's just, like, I'm not going to press charges. Like, let him go without the bike. Just let him go. And then, like, without any charges. So, like, the, the guy and the son walk off in the distance, hand in hand. The guy's about to cry. And that's the end. That's the end. <gasps> so, oh. so for me, that's brutal. Michelle, reckon, like the energy or the mania is all caused by Michelle. So I feel like the desperation mm-hmm. that they have to get the bike mirrors the desperation the guy had to like provide for his family. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Michelle represents the economic anxiety in that way where like they're just so desperate to like get get the bikes they can like have like stability but it's so twisted because like that this family is economically stable and secure yeah and like they have like she referenced the duty to be responsible for your family um and then michelle references an insatiability that must be fed and must be satisfied at any cost that yeah um, totally. The film ends with the family not retrieving the bike, and essentially they're back at square one. Similarly, there's no change in the Tanner house. Michelle's bike is never found because it was never missing. Um, and all that happened was the family was forced to do things that went against their moral, that went against their morals out of desperation. Yeah. So they like acted in a like yeah, they like did a lot of things for something they felt like internal pressure to do. Wow, that is a lot of pressure. Yeah, like. Okay, like, they, they don't, like, it's not an economic thing for them, but, like, yeah, I can see how there's this pressure to, like, um, keep things, like, stable and happy in the family mm-hmm. by, like, making sure things are, like... And it's a big, yeah, like you said, crime is a big deal in the 90s, and, like, the whole, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably scary for them to think, oh, my God, someone stole our bike in our neighborhood. Yeah. That's a big thing, like, for it to be true, they're like, oh, my God, they probably freaked out, like, they, like, lost their minds, basically. You know, I feel like, yeah, that's kind of breaking the illusion of, like, the idea that, like, yeah, this, like, place where you live is, like, safe and, like, you're you're safe from things, like, bad things aren't going to happen to you. Just, like, having that illusion shattered that bad things won't happen to you. Like, I think, like, sometimes, depending on the childhood that you've had, you are under no illusions. You, you expect bad things to happen mm. to you. Like, and I think that that, um, there's people who have different kinds of childhoods and like, um, it comes as like a shock 
if you've had a certain, if you've had sort of this more like idyllic childhood, like when a bad thing happens, it like really like rocks your world. Yeah. Whereas I think other kids are kind of more prepared for that. Like just thinking like about like my partner Gary, like I feel like for him, he's, he, he's like a lot more like, uh, he's not like super optimistic. She's, he's like excited when things go well. He's like, this is great. But he thinks of it as like a bonus. Cause he doesn't expect like, I guess like that things are just going to like work out and be fun. Yeah. And like we said that before, like the Tanner family expect everything to be great all the time. Yeah. So I feel like someone like stole one of their property and like her, like Michelle is unhappy and like she's hurt in some way like that like threw them out, out yeah. of the back completely so yeah like i said dj acts in a way like i would in my opinion dj's plan is like super on dj <laughs> yeah like i feel like she was like a lot more level-headed than that um and yeah danny stealing is like crazy to even think about yeah i you know i i guess like really thinking about this 90s tough on crime period like it made people actually like if if we look at this as like a microcosm of what was going on in the culture at large like um people were losing their minds at the perception that crime was on the increased rate that's when the rhetoric of like super predators was happening and because of the way that things had been in like the 70s and 80s especially like in urban settings i think that people were just like like things were actually getting better by the 90s like crime was going down but i think that they were just like terrified everybody was like holding their breath that some bad terrible thing was like going to happen and that things were gonna you know be terrible and so i it did create this panicky climate where like honestly like people face a lot of harsh like consequences that didn't need to have happened of course yeah, yeah. and i feel like yeah, this, like, the family was probably waiting for this to happen. Like, they were just, like, expecting this only a matter of time before this thing happened. Like, oh, God, here we go. The, the like, scary thing came to our doorstep, and now we have to, like, yeah. deal with it. So, like, right, that's why on the phone right away. The crime patches were there right away. Like, everything mm-hmm. was happening. But except for the police, because the police knew that nothing was going to happen. Was that, okay, I think we talked about this before, but, like, was that, I think you said that it wasn't that nice i'm in quotation marks i'm using of a neighborhood or was it like a safe neighborhood um, where they lived i would assume it's a nice neighborhood oh okay. yeah they were like they're like not far from like from the or the rural houses and far from the um the tenderloin which isn't that nice it's terrible but they're in a nice okay. part okay so they you know and so probably that's also part of the response is like if you're in like like in cities like the the neighborhoods change so fast and like you know, it's, like, one street is really, like, a dividing line for things. So, like, I wonder if the fact that they were in, like, a quote-unquote nice neighborhood near, like, a less desirable neighborhood, like, made them even more vigilant or scared. And maybe that's how crime catchers came to be. Yeah. There's this fear of this, like, people coming in from this, like, other bad neighborhood. Or maybe they just wanted to perv. <laughs> yeah, or it's just Mrs. Crothers, like... Because as far as I can tell, it's just those two. <sighs> That's really weird. Like, she literally says a thing about debriefing Joey as, like, and yes, the respect for that pun, but, um, like, yeah, like, she's definitely, like, uh, totally, like, inappropriate about, Je- about Joey, who is not reciprocating her advances. Poor Joey. All right. I think we're done. I mean, anything else you want to add? Yeah, no. I think this was a while. I'm, like, I just, I just want that police sketch of Uncle Jesse in my home. Ooh, I want it framed. You I know what? Online. You should have that. That I should have be in your home. I have a picture of him over my bed, so. 
Yeah, this you should have the police sketch, even though, as Joey or Jesse says, his sideburns are uneven in it. But you should own that in your home. Have you seen this man? <laughs> oh my god. Um. All right. So that's it. Follow me on Instagram, thmbf podcast. Um. That's I don't have a Twitter yet for the show, but follow me there, and then yeah. you will get all the pictures and clips and like read the captions because they're great. Uh, I'll tell stories about the episode. You'll like yeah, and subscribe on any wherever you get your podcast so you can like get them right away. Yeah, so I post like clockwork every Monday at six a.m. You so. are so good about that. I can't even fathom it's, being yeah. that together in my life. It's hard, and I'm like crumbling on the inside. <laughs> That's why I'm like, you're um, Next week will be the last episode of the season, and we're going to have like a lot of announcements about what's changing on the podcast. So follow me there so you can know exactly when we're coming back and like all the other fun stuff. Awesome. That's it. Thank you, Heather. Oh, you're welcome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right, see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>